Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is January the 4th, 2019, and I wish all of you a very happy, healthy, peaceful, and successful new year. And I thank you for joining me. Um, We're off to a good start. Um, And uh, so here we are going over all the crazy stuff that's been happening in, in the past week and what we may be able to look forward to now that, God help us all, Nancy Pelosi has the hammer uh, or gavel, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, But again, this program, for those of you not familiar with me, is all about immigration and how it impacts America, particularly how it impacts national security, public safety, um, and the well-being of our our citizens. And um, I've been doing this program for quite a few years now. I've been a man on a mission ever since 9-11, to try to make certain that our leaders and our citizens understand the nexus between border security, immigration law enforcement, and the survival of America and Americans. And it's not hyperbole. A country's first and last line of defense are its borders. And most borders, if you check the history books, were not written with crayon or lipstick, but were written with blood. Most borders are the result of conflict And the borders were arrived at as a way of compromise, a way of resolving hostilities. And so borders are significant. And if you think back to when we studied geography back in school, we always learned what countries lie next to what other countries. Where are the borders? How do we define the country? Borders define countries. They define states. When you buy property, one of the first things the bank does before they give you the money or before you a given title to the property that you buy, uh, the surveyors that have to come out and they check the lines of the property, the property lines to make certain that there's no conflicts, to make certain that no one turns around at some point and says, your property is somehow on my property. That's how significant borders are on all levels of issues. It, it, It begins, of course, on the national level. It goes to states and cities and right down to home ownership and building ownership, defining the land. That's how it works. And I have never in my life, never thought that I would see our leaders so eager to erase America's borders, particularly after the terror attacks of 9-11, particularly after this massive influx of narcotics that last year resulted in the deaths of 62 thousand people because of opiate overdoses and no matter how hard the media might try to blame all of this on the abuse of prescription drugs and there's lots of blame to go around don't for a heartbeat think i'm giving these idiots and thieves a pass but all too frequently the people who couldn't get the prescriptions for opiates turn to street drugs heroin Heroin is not produced in the United States. Every single gram of heroin had to be smuggled into the United States. Same thing with cocaine. So if you want to know how secure our borders are, 
look at the price and availability of those drugs. Heroin, cocaine, you can't manufacture them here. They are not manufactured here. Every gram is smuggled in. The demand for those poisons has never been greater, and yet the price has never been cheaper. And that turns economics on its ear. It's usually when the demand goes up, the price goes up. How in the world could the demand be at a record level, high level, and the price at a record low level? There's only one way if you believe economic theory, if you have an unlimited supply. How do you have an unlimited supply? Wide open borders. So here we are, wide open borders, drugs flowing freely into the United States, drug money flowing freely out of the United States. And where's the money going? Well, it's going to the drug cartels. And the drug cartels, as I've noted in articles for Front Page Magazine and elsewhere, are frequently now working in close coordination with the drug trafficking cartels in Latin America and with the human trafficking cartels of Latin America, often one and the same. So think about it. The tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars moving out of the United States, the proceeds of drug trafficking, illegal activity, is enriching the bank accounts of the gangs, drug cartels, and terrorist organizations. And there was just a disturbing report today that Iran is testing intercontinental ballistic missiles that could reach parts of Europe as well as the Middle East. So much for the deal that Mr. Obama cut with Iran to keep them from getting the capability to nuke countries around the world. Hezbollah is a client of Iran. Hezbollah is funded, operated, directed, and equipped by the government of Iran. Hezbollah is operating freely throughout Latin America, bringing up sleeper agents as well as people and drugs into the United States. Why in the world Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and the other wackaloons of the Democratic Party are unwilling to build a border wall is beyond me. It's stupefying. And if you're familiar with me, you know I'm registered as a Democrat. I'm not some conservative. I'm not a Republican. God, no, I'm I'm not any of the above. I'm not a Democrat anymore. Well, let me fix that. I am a Democrat. They are not. In my Cutler world, Democrats were people like JFK, like Harry S. Truman, like Scoop Henry Jackson, men who supported American workers. That was the deal. When I was growing up, the Democratic Party was the party of labor. The Republican Party was the party of business owners. Both sides have fair arguments and concerns and unfair arguments and concerns like anything else. But I land on the side of the working men and women of America. My dad was a construction worker. He was a plumber by trade, as he used to proclaim. Uh, one of my, not, not one of my biggest, my biggest heroes were my mom and dad. And my mom came here at the age of 13, ahead of the Holocaust, lived by herself in a rooming house, and had to live in a country where she couldn't speak the language, and she was here legally, by the way, worked in an umbrella factory for all of $3 a week, supported herself still managed to send a couple of pennies home to her mother, my grandmother in Poland. And during the war, suddenly my mother stopped hearing from her mother. We don't know the circumstances, but we do know she perished during the Second World War because of our religion. We're Jews. But my mother managed to make it here in America. And right after uh, that, in the, uh, during the Depression, she got a job in her 20s. Think about this with a fourth grade education 
as the chief buyer of a dress company that was so successful. Her boss made millions of dollars and was one of those people called by Roosevelt to the White House as his so-called dollar-a-year men who were supposed to advise President Roosevelt on how to jumpstart the U.S. economy after the Depression. And my dad was a construction worker. He was a man's man. I never saw him fearful of anything, even when he was diagnosed with lung cancer, which he contracted in part because he worked in the Navy shipyards during the Second World War. That's who I came from. I still stand on their shoulders to this very day. They provided me with a strong moral foundation about what was right and what was wrong and how real they would have said men. They, they died over 50 years ago. People have to be people of their words. Man, woman, doesn't matter. If you're truly a decent human being, you're a person of your word, you're honest, you're forthright, you're not devious, and you have principles. And this program is because of that. Because when 9-11 took place, I came to the understanding that our screwed up and corrupt government made it possible for the terrorists to come to America and kill many people. And by the way, that figure of 3,000 is a lot of bunk. Yes, 3,000 died on 9-11, just short of 3,000 that we're aware of. But many more have since died because they've contracted illness because of the toxins they were exposed to when the towers came down. A point of fact, there was just a report on the news today that I believe it's every week, every two weeks, I, I was driving my car and just caught the tail end of it. But almost every week or every other week, a first responder who was exposed to the toxins at ground zero are passing away because of the illnesses that they got as a result of their exposure to those toxins. So the death count continues, and we still remain at risk for the terrorists. And after the 93 terrorist attacks, first at the CIA, a Pakistani by the name of Kansi, and then one month later in February 1993, the bombing at the Trade Center that killed six, injured over 1,000, nearly brought the towers down sideways, inflicted a half billion dollars in damages, all with the result of multiple failures of the immigration system. In fact, back in 93, when that attack occurred, I was up at the Unified, I was at um, the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, so I was working with law enforcement officers from the city police, state police, FBI, DEA, ATF, U.S. Customs, IRS, U.S. Marshals, foreign governments. Everybody came to me after the 93 attacks and said, Mike, the Clinton administration can no longer ignore immigration. Look at what just happened. Not only did the Clinton administration ignore it, they passed the Motor Voter Bill, and Clinton enacted something known as Citizenship USA, where we ran 1.1 million applications for citizenship through the system so quickly that frequently fingerprints did not come back before people were given citizenship. That's how screwed up we are. And in 19, uh, I'm sorry, in the 2000, when President Bush came to the White House, 2001, uh, when he created DHS after the attacks, the DHS ignored immigration. In fact, if you look at the testimony after 9-11, I was at a hearing in 2005, John Hostel, the chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, a Republican, bemoaned the fact that inexplicably, the way DHS was created, all sorts of agencies were folded in together with what should have been a single agency to enforce immigration law. Let's remember ICE, the C in ICE is customs. Why in the world would you mix customs with immigration? It was obvious that this was all about globalism and making damn sure that we de-emphasize immigration law enforcement after 
after it was clear to everybody that multiple failures of the immigration system resulted in the terror attacks. The bottom line is that the politicians from both political parties don't give a rat's tail about anybody who dies as long as they make their money and they keep their power. If you look at what Obama did, um, I, I, I can go on for hours. But understand, it's not left or right, both political parties. And now the Democrats have completely lost their mind. They've gone off the rails. We don't need no stinking ice. We don't need no border patrol. Let's have a free-for-all. It takes my breath away. Historically, immigration law enforcement was initially the responsibility of the Labor Department prior to the Second World War to protect American jobs. Let's go back to what the Democrats were supposed to be about, protecting jobs and wages for Americans. You flood the marketplace with a commodity. You drive down the value of the commodity. Diamonds are expensive because they're rare. The De Beers Company and other companies that market and and specialize in diamonds tightly control how many gem-quality diamonds are put on the market every year because they know that if they flood the market with diamonds, guess what happens? The price of diamonds will go through the floor. Why are diamonds costly? Because they are rare. If they were no longer rare... It would no longer be costly. If you can flood America with workers, you drive down wages, you destroy the structure of the middle class, and that's exactly what we're witnessing. The Democrats are hell-bent on making everybody dependent on the government. Look at the idea of legalizing marijuana. Why? Oh, social justice. Baloney. Realize that maybe you won't get arrested for smoking pot in New York City. But lots of luck trying to hold on to your job. If your boss gives you a drug test and you flunk it, you'll be out of work. It would appear, and I'm not privy to the conversations among these, I don't know what to call them, but it would appear that the goal is to make as many Americans dependent on the Democratic Party as possible. Drive down wages, more people will flock to the Democrats because even Americans with education very frequently are unable to support themselves adequately. Real estate prices have gone through the roof. Why? Well, in part, because you can't manufacture new land unless it's China building the artificial islands in the South China Sea, totally illegal, by the way. Um, So if you flood America with more people who need housing, supply and demand, the price of housing goes through the roof, Americans lose wages, you wind up with homelessness at record levels, don't you? But the broader issue is that a border wall, which President Trump is determined to build, would keep out the flood of illegal aliens and keep out the flood of contraband, including narcotics and, God forbid, weapons of mass destruction. And all that you're hearing from the Democrats, oh, we want drones, we want drones. Well, I wrote an article in Front Page Magazine about the drones, and the drones are virtually worthless. Studies done by the federal government indicate that fewer than one-half of 1% of all Border Patrol arrests are attributable or were assisted by drones. So why does the Democrats want drones, which cost hundreds of millions of dollars, so they can spend money on a program that is worthless? Because they want to maintain the status quo. You have sanctuary cities. And sanctuary cities become magnets for criminals, fugitives, terrorists, and so forth. Why on earth would you want that? Well, I don't know. But maybe for a New Year's resolution, folks, you should all resolve to attend town hall meetings and ask pointed questions of these nitwits. Why would you leave your country defenseless 
at a time when there's real concerns about terrorism? Why would you leave your country defenseless to the drug cartels and the drugs and potentially to dangerous communicable diseases? You know, we're witnessing the influx or the occasions of diseases, one of which mimics polio all too closely. And so a question needs to be asked, is it possible that people coming from the tropics and other countries are bringing with them diseases because the children are not being inoculated and it's causing illness and death and and, and suffering in the United States. Why does nobody care about it? It was ironic to me that Governor Cuomo, this this flipping genius who calls ICE agents thugs, was um, reelected incredibly. The masses are truly asses. And so there's Cuomo, and where does he decide to have his public swearing in at Ellis Island? Well, the imagery is, is, you know, obvious. Well, Ellis Island, the immigrant. Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Ellis Island was the place where families were split apart because one member of the family might have had a disease and was deemed inadmissible. But we gloss over that today. There was a documentary that I addressed in one of my articles not that long ago about how difficult it was for the immigrants arriving at Ellis Island when my family came. Uh, and there was this grand staircase. And I've been to Ellis Island. It's a huge staircase. And why did they put that staircase there? This wasn't just an architectural uh, flourish. The staircase was there because 100 years ago, they didn't have EKGs and all kinds of sophisticated equipment. So doctors and nurses would be positioned strategically on the stairs So as the arriving immigrants would have to climb this very, very long staircase, this was basically a test to see if they had trouble breathing or if they had heart problems. If they got to the top of the stairs wheezing and barely struggling to make it up the stairs, they weren't allowed into America because now the concern was that they would not be able to support themselves because they were not physically fit. That's where... Governor Cuomo went to have his inaugural uh, announcement or have, have his swearing in conducted. Why? Because the imagery, oh, Ellis Island, they've closed Ellis Island. I got news for you. If they reopened Ellis Island, Cuomo would be the first guy online to sue to have it closed again. But there is this fantasy that's being created by the politicians. And Nancy Pelosi is jumping up and down and, and her sidekick, Chuck Schumer, jumping up and down. Oh, my God, the president shut down the government. It's going to stay this way forever. But we're not giving him a wall. Why not? Why not? Maybe you could protect the jobs of some Americans, Chuck and Nancy. Maybe you could prevent another police officer like that police officer Singh who was killed in California last week by an illegal alien. I was at Fox News first yesterday to talk about that case. The outrage is that sanctuary policies leave the residents of those cities vulnerable. They should be called magnet cities. So we have a dead police officer. And where were the politicians? Where were the Democrats to scream about this poor police officer who left behind a wife and a young baby? They don't care. Speed bump. That's all that we are to these people. That's the only conclusion they can come to. But the Republicans don't get off the hook either, because where were they when they controlled both houses of Congress and President Trump wanted the wall? What did they give him? They gave him bupkis. They gave him nothing. They gave him goose eggs. Why? Because they're globalists also. Mitt Romney, we know what he's all about, don't we? 
globalism, 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 globalism. Move workers around the global chessboard so we can get the cheapest labor, laborers to work the hardest for us. Us meaning who? The super wealthy. The guys that think it's okay to gamble a couple thousand dollars on the whim, if you remember the debate when Mitt Romney exposed himself for that one. I'll bet you, I forgot, it was a thousand, ten thousand, whatever. And, and people looked at him and said, really? You, you, you'd make a bet for a couple of thousand dollars just like that at the snap of a finger? Americans are starving and, you know, let them eat cake. The elite of the elite. You have President Trump trying to protect American wages and American jobs. And who's opposing him? The better question is who isn't. And that's why I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine, and I hope you will take the time to read it. Open borders facilitate America's race to the bottom. Cheap labor is anything but cheap. Alan Greenspan, I quoted him in my article. You need to read the exact Greenspan quote. But if you take high blood pressure meds, take them before you read the piece. He came to refer to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite and said that the solution to wage inequality is to cut middle-class wages. That's the short end of the story. Read the article. You'll see the exact quote. And if it doesn't infuriate you, make sure that you have passed away and you can't fog a mirror anymore. I watched that hearing stream live 10 years ago, nearly 10 years ago, and it left me in a state of rage. Wage equality through the destruction of the middle class. The elevator is going down, not up, folks. This is a race to the bottom. It truly is. And even where lives are concerned, it does not matter. Why wouldn't you want to put up a wall to protect us? And the arguments about how much the wall would cost is an absurdity. The wall pays for itself the way when you insulate a house by reducing your heating bills, the insulation pays for itself. I would argue that once the wall is built, within a year, the wall pays for itself. And as a fringe benefit, you could save a couple thousand innocent lives. And if you stop the flood of illegal aliens into the country, you might be able to slow the number of foreign students who can't speak, read, or write English. And that's a big deal. And this isn't about xenophobia or nativism. And if people want to make the accusation, do it to my face and we'll have that conversation. We're spending a fortune on English as a second language instead of helping American kids with learning disabilities or otherwise using the money to further the education of American children. That's the issue. Cities and states are strapped for cash, and yet they have to spend a ton of money on English as a second language because we have open borders. Yet another wonderful quote-unquote benefit to no borders, no borders, no security, but this seems to be what the Democrats want, and the idiot Republicans don't understand. They say, well, the Democrats want to import all those immigrants because they'll vote for the Democrats. Let me tell you, you're missing the point if that's all you think that's happening. By destroying wage structure, you're forcing Americans to vote for the candidates who offer them subsidies, food stamps, housing assistance, because even Americans who have jobs and maybe college educations are finding it increasingly difficult to pay for those luxuries, you know, keeping on the lights in your house. So who do you vote for if you can't make enough money? The party that tells you to take a long walk on a short pier, your problem? Or the party that says, oh, we'll give you free this or free that. that we'll help pay the rent. Or we'll, we'll give you cheap transportation money. Sure. 
Come to us and we'll help you out. It's kind of like the, the pusher that gets the kids on the, in the neighborhood hooked on drugs by giving them free drugs, but then he reels them in and then they find out what the real price for their addiction is. The Democrats want to hook Americans apparently on pot and money. And once they do that, they control the whole ball of wax. This is a bid for ultimate control on all levels so that we will be a country of one party. That's called communism. The idea of getting rid of the middle class, achieving wage equality by eliminating the difference in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills is also called communism. We are pushing America to the left, and the biggest accomplice that the Democrats have are the idiot Republicans who, because they want the cheap labor, don't understand that if you destroy the middle class, no one's going to vote for the Republicans anymore except the mega wealthy, and the numbers just don't work out. I don't care how much you sharpen your pencil. You're going to wind up with a one-party system in America if you drive enough people to the point of economic bankruptcy where the only choice they have to subsist is to go vote for the party that offers to help them financially, which are the Democrats. This isn't rocket science, folks. And meanwhile, along the way, people are dying because of the criminal aliens, because of the narcotics, because of the risks that we're running in terms of terrorism. But the greedy can't see past their greed. They are so focused on money, 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 and power, and more money and more power, I compare them to a malignant tumor. Cancer has an insatiable appetite for nutrients. Of course, cancer is mindless. Cancer secretes hormones. The hormones cause the body to envelop the tumor with a network of blood vessels. The tumor bathes itself in the nutrients that flow all around it from the blood vessels. And for a while, the cancer is the most, if you want to think of it that way, the most successful organ in its victim's body. Right up until the day that the patient dies because the healthy tissues have been starved by the cancer. And the cancer dies with its victim. The super wealthy, some of them, have an insatiable appetite for wealth. It doesn't matter that they have six mansions. It doesn't matter that they can fly around the world in their own private airliner. It doesn't matter that their boat that they go out on isn't really a boat, but a yacht that looks more like a small ocean liner. They still need more. They're in a feeding frenzy. They need still more and still more. And what's really happening is that the push is on to minimize all of the costs, and that means all of the wages of working people, actually around the world, but right now I'm principally concerned about the United States. And the reason I'm concerned about the United States is that the United States is what holds the free world together. Without America, think who's waiting in the wings. Communist China, Russia, and I don't think they're communists, but they're certainly not a democracy either. And there's Iran. And then there's the terrorist organizations. That's who's out there waiting for America to falter. This is a very dangerous era. This is a historically dangerous era. And it's interesting because when I was over at Fox and Friends first at the ungodly hour of 5.15, that's when I went on the air, I got there about a quarter to five. It was painful. I felt as though I was back at work preparing to go out on a search warrant operation. 
and an arrest warrant uh, operation. One of the stories they ran is about how China is now not allowing people to leave China, including Americans. So the advice from State Department is whatever you do, travel with your passport, make sure your visas and everything are up to date because they've been holding people from leaving as a way of intimidation and I guess a way of reprisals against America because we finally have a president who has the cojones, the, the chutzpah, to stand up to China's uh, policies, to steal our intellectual property, to hack our computers, to manipulate the currency. These folks aren't our friends. They're not trade partners. They are adversaries who are clearly bent on world domination. They are thinking decades down the line, and the people in America are thinking tomorrow. The politicians, for them, long-term planning is the next election. For corporate leaders, the next, uh, their, their next uh, deadline is when they make the next earnings reports. They're not thinking 10 years from now. They're thinking 10 weeks from now. So China and Iran and Russia are playing the long game. They're looking decades down the road, and we are looking barely in front of ourselves. We are as myopic as it comes and, and look at the mess that we've created for ourselves. That's the issue that no one seems to want to understand. And then I, I addressed an issue in, in my piece that just came out today, I guess it was, or yesterday. Uh, and, and the article was, Trump must not include a DACA fix in exchange for the wall. If he compromises on this, that compromise would compromise national security. Because now we're talking about giving lawful status to potentially millions of people who could be as old as in their late 30s. You know, Obama sold us this con game, the scam, if anybody remembers, when he stood in the Rose Garden back in June of 2012. Oh, the kids, the young people, the children, the, you know, yeah, these aliens had to be here illegally. They had to claim they came before they turned 16 but they could be as old as 31 when Obama made the speech. So that speech was almost six years ago. Six years ago, that puts these people now at age 37, possibly. 37 is not young. And why did they pick 31? Well, it's for the same reason that the DREAM Act picked 35. Demographers figured that 35 would cover 90% of the illegal alien population. The DREAM Act was a way of trying to enact comprehensive immigration reform after Congress rejected comprehensive immigration reform. So they all know that the Americans have a real soft spot in their hearts for children. So they thought, wow, how do we market this as a program for the children? Now, you see, if it was really about the children, and maybe I would have thought it's reasonable. Maybe not, but at least I'd be willing to think about it. If the president said, if you're under the age of 21, go to an immigration office with your transcript, with ID from your home country, bring us the whole ball of wax, and if we can help you, we will. We'll work something out. If you have no criminal history, if you're not wanted, if you're not this, if you're not that. Because remember, by the time people are in their early 20s, very often they have criminal histories. If you go into the third world... Uh, in fact, we had it here in New York City. American kids, 12, 13 years old, were turning into hitmen, being paid to kill people because they knew as juveniles, relatively speaking, the punishment would be minor. So all kinds of crazy things happen that most people aren't aware of. But in the third world, it's really common. <laughs> Look at MS-13. They recruit 
children. In fact, one kid was recruited at the age of eight in the United States by MS-13. How did MS-13 come here? Across the Mexican border, the border that the president wants to secure. So what we're looking at is a threat to public safety, and particularly within the ethnic immigrant communities. And the president says, okay, we've got to stop this. Put up a wall and listen to the screams and listen to the fantasies and listen to the lies. And and then you see a police officer killed in a sanctuary city, and there's more lies coming out of the Democratic Party. And and one of the lies that I tried to quickly dismiss, and and if you you go back to my programming uh, notice for today's show, I included a link to the uh, video of my interview at Fox News, along with interviews that I did yesterday uh, for some folks that I love being on the air with, Grant Stinchfield over at NRA TV and Dana Loesch over at uh, also NRA TV. Dana Lash is, is, is terrific. I've been doing shows with her going back to when she was over at The Blaze. And, and we'll talk for a moment about what she had to say. But the point was that when I was on Fox and Friends, I said, you know, there's a mythology that if the cops work with immigration agents, that aliens who are involved in crime, who are victims of crime, won't come forward. They said, that's a bald-faced lie. You know, one of the things that the Democrats won't talk about is that if an illegal alien goes to law enforcement with actionable intelligence, actionable information, so that people can be arrested, gangs can be dismantled, drug trafficking organizations, terror cells, whatever, you come with significant information. Or if you're the victim of a crime and cooperate with law enforcement, we can let you stay here. Why don't we hear that from the the politicians? The politicians would have you believe that if some young woman is raped, that ICE comes to the hospital, she could be in the middle of medical treatment and bleeding, and they'll put her on an airplane because they're ICE agents and they're thugs. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, when I was assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA, DEA, of course, the Drug Enforcement Administration, one of my key responsibilities was to use my authority to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses within ethnic immigrant communities helping people to stay here if they gave us the information we needed. The same thing happened when I went over to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force and was promoted to senior special agent. We used to get many aliens who would say, if you can help me stay here, I'll help you. I'll do undercover meets for you. I'll do all sorts of things. It was wonderful. Are you hearing that in the media? Of course not. Are you hearing it from the politicians to say, oh, We have to protect the immigrants from immigration officers. Lawful immigrants get lawful status through immigration. So what shielding do they need from the authorities that gave them their green cards, for example, or political asylum? The only time they have a problem is if they commit crimes afterwards. But you're not hearing that in the media. And one of the things that they do is if someone like me, says we need a wall and we need to not give legal status to illegal aliens if we can't verify their identities. You become a nativist, a racist, a hardliner. How many times do you hear that? Immigration hardliners. How is it a hardliner to say let's abide by the law? We admit a million lawful immigrants every year. We admit tens of millions of temporary visitors, whether they're students, whether they're tourists, Uh, Whatever purpose it is that they came with a temporary non-immigrant visa, we admit them by the boatload. And we admit so many and we're so careless 
that every year at least a half million tend to not leave when they're supposed to or otherwise violate the terms of their admission, perhaps by taking unauthorized employment. So how is it a hard line to say, let's simply abide by the law? We need to make a distinction between aliens who come legally and aliens who are here illegally. That's a hard line. Is it a hard line if someone says drunks ought not be on the highway? You know, sobriety hardliners. Have you ever heard that? Of course not. The arguments are outrageous. The risks we face are manifold and scary and real. And real. Thousands of people are killed every year because of aliens who are here illegally, who engage in crime, engage in drunk driving, uh, because of the drug trade, because of the gangs. The death toll goes through the roof. And Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and all of their cohorts are screaming that we don't need ICE, we don't need borders, we don't need Border Patrol, just let everybody in. Never mind where they're going to stay, never mind how that's going to impact education, never mind what that's going to do to the emergency rooms and the hospitals, never mind what it's going to do to the jobs situation. Who cares? They've got a job. They don't care if you have a job. And if you wind up homeless, then you're even more likely to go to support the Democratic candidate anyway, because now you really need their help. Dependent nation. That's what we're turning into. Dependent on drugs, dependent on money. And and you see, unlike most Republicans who don't like minimum wage and don't like this, I agree with minimum wage. I agree with helping people who are in trouble. I really do. But do you understand that if you flood America with more workers every year than the number of new jobs we're creating, that that creates a serious problem? And yes, the earnings report was really great, 300-plus thousand jobs created and fantastic. And, you know, my hat's off to Trump and his policies on that one. Wages are coming up. I agree with that. But we're not out of the woods yet, folks. And we still have the problem with the gangs and the drugs and the terrorism. And yet there's Schumer and there's Pelosi saying, no way in hell are you getting a wall. And their answers as to why not are absurd. It's too expensive. Pelosi called it immoral. You would almost think that the president wants to take a wall and block off the ports of entry. That's not the case. The purpose of a wall is to funnel all traffic through ports of entry so that people and cargo can be inspected. That's it. That's the whole purpose for the wall. Not about keeping everybody out. In fact, the wall would not stop a single person, not a single person from entering the United States legally. It would just block off the spaces between ports of entry so that aliens would have to go through the port of entry to be admitted. What in the world is wrong with that expectation? You know, and and it's funny because I've, I've said it before, but I'm compelled to say it again. Chuck Schumer was the guy who said that he wants a law that makes trespassing on critical infrastructure or national landmarks a five-year felony, but doesn't care about people who trespass on America. Imagine being forced to, to get on an airplane with people who snuck past TSA. Would you do it? I wouldn't. But yet, in the towns and cities across America, we are living with millions of people in the aggregate who snuck into America that way. And what's the weapon of choice these days around the world? It's not airplanes, folks. It's motor vehicles. And you have how many states issuing driver's licenses to illegal aliens? Do you see a possible problem here? See, if you look at all the problems, and if you look at the findings of the 9-11 Commission, and then if you look at the statements of Pelosi and Schumer and these others, they don't coincide. 
they, they, Pelosi and Schumer and Maxine Waters and the whole kit and caboodle, are pursuing policies that are diametrically opposed to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. I was on a radio show earlier today. Bobby Gunther Walsh has a terrific show on WAEB. Uh, I do his show every other Friday. I was on with him this this day, you know, today, uh, for an hour. I'm scheduled to actually go back on his show next week, next Friday, for a half hour from about uh, nine o'clock to nine thirty. Because we're anticipating all kinds of crazy stuff going on now that they've given Pelosi the the uh, the gavel. But what I had done, and I'm going to do this today here, I I want to read something to you. And and this comes from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. And it very closely a document that I gave the commission, uh, my prepared testimony. But this is now in the 9-11 Commission staff report. And the 9-11 Commission staff was comprised of federal agents and government attorneys who worked with the 9-11 Commission. So they wrote this separate report, 9-11 and terrorist travel. What I'm going to read to you now, the first thing I'm reading to you, is the first paragraph of the preface of the report that they wrote on terrorist travel, because it set the tone for the entire volume. It's crystal clear. And when you're listening to what I'm about to read to you, I want you to think about Schumer and Pelosi and the others saying that under no circumstances, no matter what, no matter how, no matter anything, no damn wall. Now, Here's what the 9-11 Commission had to say, or the staff did. And by the way, the commission findings parallel this. This isn't a contradiction, by the way. Here we go. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, for reasons that we discuss in the following pages, that it must be made one. How crystal clear is that? So they talk about visas because the concern is visa fraud. When I did my very first hearing before the House Immigration Subcommittee, it was back on May 20th, 1997. That was the topic, visa fraud, immigration fraud, because of the 93 attacks I mentioned earlier. So here they're saying keep the border secure, whether it's visas, whether it's physical borders, border security, national security. Now we move along and we get to this, which is on page 47, I believe, of that report. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Now, stop for a moment, folks. You had terrorists claiming political asylum. We are inundated with claims of political asylum. And when President Trump looked at the situation and said, this is dangerous, the courts blocked every effort that he made to rein in these fake, fatuous political asylum claims, and and listen to the arguments. Well, they have abusive families, there's gangs in their hometown. Political asylum is supposed to be given to foreign nationals if, because of their race, religion, ethnicity, 
tribal membership or political views, they face persecution or worse at the hands of their government. That's not what these folks are talking about. The woman has a husband who beat her up. And don't they have police in her country? Can't she get a divorce? Why is the why is the answer to every other country in the world? It's like when we used to read fairy tales and they lived happily ever after. The the fairy tale now is and they came to America and we gave them green cards. These are fairy tales. The punchline to every joke now is and we let them come to America and we welcome them into America. Think about that. Let me read on though. So, um, so they talk about how Yusuf and I just got the bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the agriculture worker program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. And after he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. So you had people who violated the terms of their lawful admission. And in that game of hide and seek, because of an absolute lack of immigration agents, nobody found them. Nobody cared about them. Nobody cared about them. But then he was involved in the bombing that killed six, injured over a thousand, and almost brought the towers down, you see. And let's get to this final paragraph that I want you to hear. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, folks, DACA is temporary worker status. Think about that. Temporary worker status or applying for asylum after entering. Here we go again. Think of how many times we keep hearing about asylum and 9-11 and the terrorists. Okay? The report goes on and says, in many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. So the president looks at all this and says, okay, secure the border. Let's stop this nonsense of political asylum. This is the method of choice for entry and embedding for the terrorists. Let's make sure that if people are going to apply for asylum, they come through a port of entry, We can inspect them. We can create a record of their entry because if people run the border and they yell political asylum, it's not that they came to claim asylum. It's that they just came to hide. And now they're using the claim of asylum as a backup because now they were caught. So now they've got, they think, an excuse. And you have judges saying, yeah, that's right. If you can't get past the border patrol and they catch you, if you say asylum, that's it. You're home free anyway. This is a threat to national security, folks. This isn't minor stuff. It doesn't get more serious than that. In the wake of 9-11, think about what happened to the Fourth Amendment. Think what's happening to the First Amendment. But the Fourth Amendment went out the window. Between technology tracking us wherever we go, whatever we do, 
and the decisions that have been made about surveillance and that sort of thing, there is no Fourth Amendment. We've given up an awful lot, but yet when the American people say, you know, we've given up so much, how about giving us what we thought we were getting, security? Schumer and Pelosi and the Democrats are determined to not create security. They might give you a weak illusion of security, but to give you real security, no, you got the wrong people. They don't want security for you. They want you to do what they want, but you're not going to get what you want in return. And never mind that this is supposed to be a democratic republic where the voice of the people get heard. They are deaf to us because we are speed bumps. They don't care. They don't care. And they are angry that you have a president who's standing up to them and saying, wait a minute, as commander in chief, as president of the United States, I recognize that there is a severe risk to the lives of the people who live in the United States. And by the way, the most likely victims of the violence perpetrated by transnational criminals are the members of the ethnic American communities. Think about that. And it's not just Latin America. Because I can tell you that when I was an INS agent, I've arrested people from all over the world. They got an award from the government of Japan, for Pete's sake, for helping them. I've arrested people from Jamaica and Israel and Canada and Australia and China and countries in Africa and Canada. You name it, we've arrested them because the immigration laws don't discriminate much as the open borders immigration anarchists would make you try to believe that this is about racism, it's purely about enforcing laws that were designed to keep out criminals and spies and terrorists and human rights violators and fugitives from justice and people who would take Americans' jobs. Why in the world would anybody be opposed to this? I don't know. But I'm going to ask you, Again, to make it your resolution that if there's a town hall meeting, you go to the town hall meetings and you confront these people and you all have smartphones, videotape what happens. Now, you may not get the opportunity for a follow-up question because that's really the killer. I I can tell you I've been in courtrooms enough times and it's the first question that softens them up and you seal the deal with the follow-up. You may not get the opportunity for the follow-up. That's one of the tricks. So come with other people read off the same sheet if you get to ask question one question two the follow-up gets asked by the guy that's two back from you because he's with you or she's with you and that's the way you work it so that you do get in your follow-up question and you be very specific and so for example why would you want to have drones when it's been shown by the federal government that they cost hundreds of millions of dollars and last year were involved in fewer than one half of 1% of all the rest. It doesn't sound like a very good return, does it? And by the way, the drones are designed to find aliens after they ran the border. Why don't you want to prevent that from happening in the first place? You see, because a wall could prevent it in the first place. Now, they're going to say to you, if you build a 15-foot wall, someone's going to come with a 20-foot ladder, and the answer is yes, you're right, but... Think about how many people won't come because that wall would deter them. Law enforcement isn't an all-or-nothing proposition, but somehow where immigration is concerned, that's what it's become. We can't deport 11 million. God knows there's 30 or 40 million. Can't deport them all. So we should give them all legal status. And then the debate is, should we give them citizenship or just the permission to work? So that's a bait and switch. 
because the collusion that exists exists between the Democrats and Republicans on immigration. They're reading off the same sheet of music. They're partners in crime, literally partners in crime. This is like tag team wrestling when I was a kid. Everyone thought that the wrestlers were killing each other, but they weren't. They were all part of the same party. They're all having a good time, laughing at the people that were watching them, thinking that this was a real bloodbath, and it wasn't. The Democrats and Republicans are on the same page. That's why you had the Gang of Eight. When they say bipartisan support, run for your life and hang on to your wallet. Bipartisan, my rear end. Collusion is what bipartisan means today. So when they say to you, if they build a wall, they'll have the ladder, challenge them. They get a tunnel. Yes, but they're not all going to tunnel. The idea isn't zero. The idea is to cut it down to manageable numbers. But they don't want manageable numbers. The theory here is to overwhelm the immigration system so that it becomes impossible to do anything about it. Once the boat is at the bottom of the ocean, it's kind of ridiculous to say, let's bail the water out. You can't bail the water out when the boat's on the bottom of the ocean. They're trying to put America on the bottom of the ocean with a flood of foreign workers who would drive wages through the floorboards and eliminate our sovereignty. But again, I don't think half these idiots in Congress have enough of an IQ to to figure out where they live, let alone to figure out the consequences. They're just marching to the music being played by their leaders. You know, when you have a political party and they have someone in charge called the whip, if that doesn't sound like a Tony Soprano enforcer, I don't know what does. So confront them. The final point that I want to make before I run out of time, I was on with Dana Loesch, and I'm still trying to verify these numbers because it blew my mind. It shocked me. Purportedly, the FBI has found, and I'm sure she's right. I, I, I love Dana. She does great work. But and there's been articles all over the Internet. Apparently, what has happened is that the FBI did a study and found that nearly 8 million illegal aliens applied to buy firearms and were rejected by the system because they're here illegally. An alien who is illegally present in the United States who possesses a firearm is looking at 10 years in jail. <clears throat> the fact that if there were really almost 8 million tells you that the 11 million number is bogus. God only knows how many tens of millions of illegal aliens are in the United States and the politicians just keep lying through their teeth along with the people who bribe them with their campaign contributions. So the the remarkable part of the story is that we have so many people here from all over the world with no way of knowing who they are And the Republicans and the Democrats are together on the same page of saying, this is fabulous. Let's drive real estate through the roof. Banks make more money. Realtors make more money. And the Americans who lose their homes, lose their jobs, that's their problem. The government of the United States has never been more, um, I don't want to say even lackadaisical, I mean, really, uh, almost at odds with its own citizens. How do you protect your citizens when you have millions of people from other countries who have no right to be here wandering freely in our towns and cities? This is a threat to public safety, public health. It's a, safe to na- it's a threat to national security. It's destroying hospitals. It's destroying our educational system. We're flooding America with more people than we can deal with. We are overwhelming critical infrastructure. And somehow we're supposed to be happy about this. This is something that the Chamber of Commerce has wanted for a very long time, as have the immigration lawyers, both parties. Immigration lawyers, when they see a flood of aliens headed to the United States, don't see a problem. 
they see clients. I've made the point frequently. The immigration system is no longer a law enforcement system. It's a delivery system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign tourists, foreign students, and clients for immigration lawyers. And so as this battle plays out over the border wall, please understand what's at stake. I don't agree with everything Donald Trump says and does. Sometimes I wish he was more articulate. I got to tell you, as a guy who took his degree in communications, arts, and sciences, the president can make me cringe. He really can. But I think what he's trying to do is right. I think it's worthwhile. I think it's moral. What's immoral isn't what the president is doing. It's the nonsense being foisted on us by the politicians, uh, with particular emphasis on the Democrats, but the Republicans aren't far behind. So please understand just how serious the threat is and understand why we all need to be involved. You know, maybe we got into this mess because for far too many years, the American people disgusted with politicians say, you know what, I'm not going to be bothered. So we don't get involved. We employ these people, but we're lousy employers and we have allowed our employees to run roughshod all over us. They are insubordinate to the citizens of the United States. That's the kindest thing I could say. We need to stop it from continuing. We need to find the strength in this year to send a clear message to the Congress. <clears throat> Border security is national security. Drones that don't work should not be purchased to squander precious money and achieve zero results, which seems to be the goal of the Democratic Party. We have got to have the wall. We have got to have many more ICE agents but most importantly, we need citizen involvement in government, peaceful, peaceable, rational, well-informed citizen involvement. Have the conversations with your neighbors. Don't be afraid to have a conversation. You know, everything has been done to try to shut down the First Amendment. If you don't have freedom of speech, folks, you have no freedoms at all. Please get involved. I hope my articles are helpful to you. If you like the articles, if you look at the videos and like what you see, I ask you to forward the links to as many people as you can. Ask them to take the time to watch those videos, to read the articles. As I started out saying, ever since 9-11, I've been a man on a mission to try to educate our fellow Americans and to try to educate the politicians and, and get them to do what's essential to protect America and Americans. And that's really where we now are today. We absolutely must have um, an informed electorate and we must make our politicians accountable to us. That's, that's exactly what we needed now. We, the people, must make the politicians accountable to us, not the other way around. And that's the work that all Americans can do because, as you know, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. So please get involved. Please read my articles at Front Page Magazine. Um, and speak to your neighbors. Let's, let's make this the year that we, the people, will finally get our voices heard uh, and take our, serious, uh, our citizenship seriously. Have a great weekend, everybody. I look forward to seeing you again next time, next week, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now.